You're listening to On Development, a podcast of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, or MCC. MCC is an independent United States government international development agency whose mission is reducing poverty through economic growth. In part one of this episode, MCC's Vice President of Congressional and Public Affairs, Aisha House, sits down with Malika Lasri and Omar Jop to discuss the economics of inclusion and share insights on the best way to integrate inclusion and gender in project design. Malika Lasri is the Director General of the Millennium Challenge account in Morocco for the Employability and Land Compact. Before assuming this role in May 2020, Malika worked as a senior advisor for the Polytechnic Mohammed VI University School of Collective Intelligence and served as the CEO of the NGO Education for Employment in Morocco, where she oversaw the design and implementation of programs aiming to increase and boost youth employability in Morocco. She also worked as the youth program officer of a $15 million United Nations Population Fund country program in Morocco, where she coordinated all youth-related UNFPA activities at the national level, established effective liaisons between all program stakeholders, developed and supervised the implementation of strategic plans, and monitored major progress indicators. Omar Jop is the CEO of the Millennium Challenge accounts in Senegal. He has more than 20 years of experience in the leadership of development funding organizations, as well as in the management of major infrastructure projects and programs. Before joining MCA Senegal, Omar was the Chief Executive Officer of Envol Capital SAS, an investment company with a portfolio of SPVs designed to undertake and develop infrastructure projects for the public and private sector in Africa, and Deputy CEO of the financial institution Shelter Afrique in Kenya, covering 44 countries from Nairobi. All right, I am so excited to be here today on development um, because we are going to be chatting with two of my favorite MCA CEOs, um, Malika, who is representing the MCA from Morocco, and Umar, who is uh, what representing the MCA from Senegal. So um, this week we launched the inclusion and gender strategy at MCC. And these two fantastic people were stars in the event for our launch um, because both MCA Morocco and MCA Senegal have been doing amazing things to integrate and elevate inclusion and gender across their programs. So thank you both for sitting with me today on development. And of course, yeah. I'm, I'm just excited to get us started. So um, I want folks to know you as well as I do. So why don't we start with the question of, um, as representatives of inclusion and gender, tell us a bit about your journey into the roles that you're in and why inclusion and gender integration is so important for MCC's work. So why don't we start with you, Malika? Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having us. Um, thanks for having me. and. Uh, I'm so I feel privileged to actually participate in such an event and congratulations to MCC for all the work that went into uh, the strategy itself and its implementation is ongoing. Um, So yeah, uh, thank you so much. Um, So for the question, um, I may say it requires really explicit and continuous support from leadership to to gain buy-in from the project's team and all MCA stakeholders. It is not easy to have to implement a project in five years uh, with the time constraints and enormous uh, workload 
and still keep the engagement of everyone with the spillover on the partners to really pay attention to these aspects that are um, very important yet for the country and for the project, but it takes also a big load of work to, to process. So me giving an example as a CEO of um, paying a lot of attention to these aspects actually aligns all the staff uh, on these issues because it's in my rhythms and routines in my meetings where I ask where we are in these things. A lot of check-ins to make sure that we align with government strategies in this. And even my effort to like every month, I write a newsletter, an update to my board members, and I let them know what we have done. And I know two members of our board members, uh, two of our uh, board members are very specific and picky when it comes to gender inclusion. So I have to report on the statistics of all the beneficiaries, male, female, age, rural, uh, urban, uh, and the, I get feedback on that as well to integrate um, into the next coming uh, quarter. So um, yeah, the effort uh, also by the GSI staff uh, is to be consolidated and supported. Um, some of them, they do not feel like they are listened to as they should be. And the fact that I single out specific meetings where I bring everyone and have them listen to what is there to understand and to follow, that also is important. And of course, hiring more people to back up that unit so that they can go in the field, be present with other teams, that also is something that uh, boosts uh, the momentum. And of course, there is no need to highlight it, but it's important that the team has a budget and has its own activities so that they also implement and they can also have a certain ownership on the results and on the impact. There's a lot to say, but yeah, these are major things that I try to follow to give a boost to that component. Thank you. Oh, uh, Aisha, uh, always a great pleasure discussing and advocating for gender and inclusion. Uh, really appreciate being invited to talk uh, on Undevelopment, the podcast of the Millennium Channel Corporation. Much appreciated. Uh, well, uh, gender and inclusion for me uh, started, uh, say, uh, 40, 45 years ago. Uh, I was born in a small village, 200 kilometers far from the capital city, Dakar. And I spent the first 10 years of my life in an environment without electricity, running water and proper sanitation, where basically girls and young women uh, had to stay at home. Uh, their education was mostly oriented toward being uh, future good spouses. Uh, though my uh, family grew in a very modest environment, uh, my mom did a great job making sure my siblings and I have a good education. But uh, unfortunately um, for her, throughout her life, she faced quite big challenges. Uh, she was uh, really uh, evolving within an environment designed for men. That's uh, what uh, I can say. Uh, I witnessed on several occasions, her opinion has never been considered. Though she most of the time was quite knowledgeable on issues that were at stake, uh, simply put, uh, I mean, uh, in that society, women were not supposed to open their mouth during community meeting where decisions were made. And for uh, some remote region in Senegal, uh, unfortunately, it is still the case. 
uh, in a nutshell, uh, a good woman is a woman that endure everything. Uh, as a result, my mom, 70 year old now, uh, is unable to read, make phone calls. It's a quite difficult exercise for her. Uh, she has never opened a bank account nor achieved financial independence until I got my first job. Uh, though she was quite gifted as a worker, uh, she never got uh, a paid job, unlike my uncles, her brothers. So uh, today, as a chief executive officer of uh, the Millennium Challenge account uh, in Senegal, uh, I strongly believe that uh, enough is enough. Then uh, uh, my point of view is that structurally excluded population, including poor people, women, the youth, and other marginalized groups, shall be considered for more inclusion, equity, and, uh, and, uh, and equality. Uh, now, why inclusion and gender integration is important for, for MCC work? Uh, first and foremost, uh, Aisha, uh, 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 I do believe that because MCC recognizes that growth alone will not meet its poverty reduction mandate if investments are not also inclusive and sustainable is already a key starting point. I was delighted really to see the new strategy launched yesterday remains grounded in MCC founding mission basically to achieve poverty reduction through inclusive, sustainable, and private sector-led economic growth. Uh, let me give you the case from my own country, Senegal, uh, what we have been doing so far. Uh, Senegal has a big focus on sustainable growth with uh, a national development strategy called Senegal Emerging Plan, uh, PSA, uh, with high priority on infrastructure dev, human capital, energy, to name a few. Over the last few years, Senegal has done quite well. Uh, economically speaking, International Monetary Fund project 5% growth in uh, 2020. However, government of Senegal recognized also that there is still room for improvement when it comes to getting a more sustainable and inclusive growth. Poverty rate remains still very high with disparities between the 14th region in the country and specifically regions in the south and the east are the most affected. Following the constraint analysis done by MCC and government of Senegal in 2017, when Senegal was declared eligible for a second compact, it was clear that to address the identified constraint to poverty reduction, the focus was to be on access to electricity, inclusion, and gender because the gap was there. The gap was coming mainly from women and the youth that were mostly affected by poverty and unemployment. So in a nutshell, inclusion and gender integration in MCC's work really matter for us. Great, thank you, Omar. And thank you, Malika. And I just want to tell you, Malika, by the way, that when I was in Morocco this summer with you um, and I was um, around all these young women who work for the MCA or who were at the TVET centers that you're helping to make happen, or just in general um, with the press and journalists, everyone knew you, everyone looked up to you, and everyone saw you as one of those women that they want to be and, and knew they could be because they saw you running the MCA. So I want you to know that I'm, I'm not a part of your full journey, but as a stop on it, it's been an honor to just even be in your space. So um, I want to thank you for that and thank you for what you're doing for the MCA. And Umar, I'm, I'm 
really amazed on your backstory as well. So thank you for sharing that um, and for all the work that you all are doing. So let me just say, I'm really, I love my name. And um, Aisha is like a handshake wherever I go in the world because um, depending on what country I'm in, be it Senegal or Morocco, um, usually someone says, I have a mother, sister, cousin, daughter named Aisha. Um, and hey, that's a, that's a good Muslim name. And I know that for sure, um, which I love. And so I'm curious, uh, Morocco and Senegal both share that, um, being also on the same continent. I'm curious, what are some other similarities that uh, both Morocco and Senegal might have? So um, as you all have met one another and you've been talking about some of the challenges with regard to inclusion and gender, can you talk about maybe some of the, the challenges um, culturally um, that you all might share as it relates to trying to integrate more uh, women and girls into the programming across your countries? Thank you, uh, Aisha, for that. And uh, yeah, uh, the, like you said, my mom's name is Aisha. So. <laughs> You're right. That's good. <laughs> uh, so it's a dear name to my heart. And uh, yeah, thank you for, for that. And I think it's a lot um, yeah, common in our country as well. It's the name of the wife of the prophet. And then Muhammad, Aisha, and Khadija are common names in uh, Muslim societies, I think. Um, I had a chance and the honor to meet with Omar and we shared few of uh, uh, our adventures with the uh, with the compact and Omar has just started one year and I'm like six months away from ending closing out the compact. But I was really amazed to discover that what makes similarities uh, in addition to being Muslim countries or majority Muslim countries for Senegal, uh, is that we also have traditions that hold back the development of women. And then I was mentioning to Umar, the rural land, for example, although the laws are there and they're fair to everyone, although even the leadership at the highest level of authority in Morocco, the king, is very favorable and encourages and support women's status. It's us in our society that we have a lot of blockages and we have some traditions that perpetuates this inequality of not wanting to see a land goes with the daughter to another family that's not from the same village. As much as the land is very, very much dear to each one's uh, heart in Morocco, uh, seeing it go, because for them marriage is the daughter is leaving our you know, family and go into, she, she becomes someone else's family. And if she goes with the land, that's something that is not acceptable. So it is not in the religion uh, as is, but it is with the, with the traditions. And uh, it was really, yeah, when I discovered that it's also the case in, um, in Senegal and also um, in Bangladesh, I discovered yesterday, it's, uh, yeah. So that, that is one thing that we figured that how the tradition actually um, becomes something that's common. And uh, I know we have a lot of Senegalese in Morocco. They come also to the pilgrimage in Fez. 
Um, so maybe it's within these waves of people going. Uh, a lot of people do business with Senegal, and, and a good size of uh, Moroccan population is established in Dakar. Um, so there must be a lot of things that we do similarly, except for the food. We also we we have better food than Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that, that's really a great question, Aisha, because you see Senegal and, uh, and uh, the Kingdom of Morocco, I mean, those are two countries that are really close. And uh, Aisha is a very common name in Senegal, same to Malika. I mean, uh, Aisha, Malika, Umar, I think that there are some connection in, on all those names. Uh, between the Kingdom of Morocco and the Republic of Senegal, there is a very, very long uh, standing relation uh, highlighted by the successful integration of the Moroccan community in Senegal and, uh, and vice versa. And uh, just to give you a few examples, one of the biggest mosques that has been built in Senegal was financed by the, by the King of Morocco. So uh, that just show you how close the two countries are. And uh, I was uh, quite happy, I mean, the, over the last three days I've been discussing with uh, uh, Malika trying also to learn from uh, her compact, from the compact of Morocco. And I've seen that there is a number of uh, issues that are being faced by the compact in Morocco. And we can learn from those issues because we are two countries, mostly, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of population, Muslims country. So there are specific issues and gender and inclusion that the compact of Morocco may have faced over the last four years, four years and a half, and probably Senegal also, we, not, we need to learn from them to see how we can better probably build a very strong, very strong, very robust, I mean, uh, 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 stakeholder management plan, how we can address, how we can communicate appropriately, appropriately how we can better align our strategy in terms of uh, uh, inclusion and gender vis-a-vis -vis our own culture. Uh, and uh, uh, in terms of uh, religious uh, belief and cultural uh, similarities between the Morocco and Senegal, I can just mention a few. Uh, the constitution of, of, of Senegal uh, back into, uh, I mean, uh, 21 and the constitution of Morocco, I mean, correctly if I'm wrong, back in 2011, recognized gender equality. I think that's already something for me, I mean, extraordinary. That's really something that needs to be praised because our constitution in our country recognized gender equality. As a starting point, we cannot expect more than that. I think the rest of the work we have now, just to make sure that we need to do what it takes to get where we want to be. And uh, uh, other similarities uh, are on the cultural norm uh, that need to be improved related to women participation in some aspects of the society. Uh, for example, the land issue that was raised by Malika. We're having the same issue also, also in Senegal. And uh, land issue need to be addressed because it's, uh, about uh, I mean uh, uh, being able because if you get a land if you are if you possess a land for example you are able to get let's say a mortgage to get funding to develop your business and because in our country we may most of the time have challenges to access land they it's very difficult for them to develop revenue generated activity so uh, I believe that the, the land issue is a reality that need to be addressed we are really I mean eager to learn from uh, from the compact of Morocco has I been addressed uh, this issue though our compact is really focused on on, on energy uh, uh, another uh, point similarity I can touch on also is that uh, I think both in our country we have a very vibrant civil society associations 
Yeah, in Senegal, I mean, uh, whenever there is an issue related to gender inclusion, you can see that. I mean, our civil society, I mean, organizations specialize on uh, defending women's rights, uh, they're defending the women's rights. And I think that uh, uh, that also is very important as part of the compact. Uh, those are our partners. We work with them. On my board, I have, uh, uh, I mean, uh, two board representatives coming from those associations so that they know the issues. And whether, whenever we talk infrastructure, whenever we talk, I mean, as a uh, uh, investment-related compact, they want to make sure that nobody is left behind. They want to make sure that inclusion and gender is just not sweet words, but those are action that is uh, that are uh, uh, happening on the ground. Uh, on the differences, uh, I think that we don't have so many differences. Perhaps uh, I can just say that uh, okay, Senegal. Uh, is a secular country in Morocco. I think uh, with 95% uh, Muslim, uh, Morocco, I guess, is an Islamic country. So uh, probably we, we we can touch on that. Uh, the difference also where Morocco really is well, uh, uh, I mean, uh, ahead of us when we need to catch up is on the family court pro probably, uh, because uh, I mean when I was discussing with my uh, gender and social uh, inclusion team. Uh, they draw my attention that uh, uh, the age for marriage in, uh, in, in, in Morocco is 18 for men and women, while in Senegal we are still at 16 for, for girls. So, yeah, I mean, we need to somehow catch up on, on those aspects. But uh, what I can say at this point, I know that the government of Senegal is really committed to whatever is related to inclusion and, uh, and gender. Uh, I can just give you at, uh, at the highest level of the government today, the Minister of if, if Energy is a woman, really uh, engaged on uh, uh, inclusion and gender issue. The Minister of Economy and, uh, and uh, Plan and uh, corporate, International Corporation is also uh, a woman. So we have a number of uh, leaders in Senegal at the highest level in the government, on the private sector that are women, driving the change. And I believe that uh, we just need to maintain the momentum because I believe that it is not going to be easy because there are some cultural issues here and there that need to be addressed. But in the long run, we might have a, a more equal and, uh, and uh, more, I mean, a better society. Yeah, thank That's you. Great. Mm -hmm. And he let you get away with the food joke. He didn't come back. No, no he didn't. <laughs> but I, I would like to actually thank him uh, for bringing up the family code because that was a huge investment uh, since the king actually um, uh, was uh, was uh, throned. He the the first big uh, workshop that started was for that, and um, it actually tackled main pain points that uh, hindered the freedom of um, or, or the empowerment of women in terms of like their custody in terms of you know the 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 whole institution of marriage how to bring it up to equal uh, rights for both uh, women and men which was not the case before and even um, I, I read in the newspapers that another version of uh, of the code is is being uh, processed and it'll come soon again addressing a lot of other problems so uh, yeah um, thank you so much for sharing this and now we're really very proud that this happened uh, like before if um, if a woman uh, has children who are half Moroccan 
and have maybe another nationality. She couldn't give them her nationality. They cannot be Moroccan. And now they are. So with that code, yes, a lot of things change. And just lately, now there's a paternal leave um, for in uh, in yeah for for men also to take paternity leave uh, when uh, when they when they have kids when uh, when their kids are born. So yeah, we, things are evolving. But like, again, the laws are there, but sometimes some of the practices and the traditions are held in back, um, held in back things. Yeah, thank oh, you. That's great. Yeah. Um, so with that, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about a few other topics. I definitely want to dig in a bit more on just generally youth and how you all have um, integrated youth in not just uh, your outreach, but also your programs. Um, and then also maybe uh, get some words of wisdom from both of you for not just uh, our viewers, but for other NCA CEOs who are trying to do similar work. We did literacy training, for example, for women to know how to read and write. And within that training, a lot of notions on their rights and their responsibilities are also communicated. Um, helped a lot of them also to be in cooperatives and start developing activities so that they became stronger and more self-confident. And um, when they become autonomous and independent, the the relationship between men and women changes and this is how we got through uh, to where we are now and especially when they start owning land and they have a title so that they can go to the bank they got financial literacy get a credit start a business in agriculture that gives them a whole total um, uh, vision of the world and people also how they look at them thank you for listening to on development we hope you enjoyed this episode we invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And to learn more about MCC, please visit www.mcc.gov.